Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I want to continue what I left off just a few weeks ago. Something I titled this devotion that I titled Clear Visioned. I began to speak to you one particular Sunday, three, four weeks ago, but then we had Palm Sunday, we had Easter and so forth. And so it kind of interrupted a little bit. Uh, I shouldn't say that Easter interrupted anything, but it kind of moved our agenda just a little bit different. And I didn't want to leave you without the rest of this message. And so if you'll oblige me this morning, just a few minutes of your time, I would like to finish uh, my conversation with you and hopefully remind you once again of very important principles that we all must emulate and embrace if we intend to truly get to that victory circle in glory. How many desire to be with Jesus one day? Amen? I desire to be with Jesus. Even in my introduction this morning and my announcing to you that it was uh, quite the, uh, the terrible experience three years ago and I, here I am today, I think that this message this morning is very applicable uh, to what it is that got me to stand here this morning three years and a day after my surgery. And that was that I was clear vision. I never lost my vision as to what God called me to do. I never lost sight of who the Lord was. I sent you a few video clips, and as a matter of fact, late last night, I went to sleep very late because I was just just remembering. I, I took to my phone, and I found this film. I sent you certain little cameo films uh, from when I was going through my experience, and the very last one was when I spoke to you, and I said, well, church, uh, some of you may remember or not, but church, I'm about to go in now. Now, you'll forgive me because when I spoke to you, I was a little bit there already. In my mind, uh, I was already uh, taking the anesthetic and all these pills that they were giving me to sedate me uh, for preparation. So if I sounded silly, forgive me, but I think my point was clear. I said, my time is now to be able to, they're going to take me in uh, to give me this transplant. And one thing I said to you, I said, I will see you when I get out of this thing. Or I will see you in the thereafter, in glory. And I said to you and gave you a great word of admonishment. I said, and I better see you in glory. Because I will be in glory if this thing that I was about to go through doesn't pan out. If for some reason the Lord decided to take me on that table, it did not bother me one bit. I've done well with my wife, I've done well for my children, and I love all my grandchildren, and they love Grandpa. I've done well in the support of my wife, I've done well in the support of my children, they are married well, they're all in ministry, they're all believers in Christ, they're they're all perfectly great for a father like me. And so I felt accomplished. I felt like I finished something. So it didn't bother me if I didn't see my wife again or, or the children. Because I know I, that I know and that I knew that I knew at that moment that I would see them in glory. I will see my grandchildren in glory. I will. Maybe somebody here is doubtful of your wife, husband, or children. Don't be. Don't lose your focus. It is my intent, says my wife and I got married this many years ago. It was our intent that not only she and I, but that our children would also inherit the kingdom of God. And during that time of my surgery and going in, I never lost sight of that. I told my wife, I said, I'll see you later or I'll really see you later. I told my children, I I don't know if I'm coming back, but I'll see you again. And it was COVID at that time, so I spent those months in the hospital by myself without family. It was a very trying time, but I never lost focus. I never lost sight. And this is what will get anybody to the victory circle in any circumstance in life. 
that you never lose sight of your goal. That you never lose sight of your purpose. In this case, we are called to be like Christ. We are called to be believers. We are called to walk according to the pattern that God has given us in His Word. We as believers must never lose sight of that, regardless of the circumstance you might be going through. They fired you. You got sick. The doctor said this or the other. Or the economy is going you know where. You never lose sight of what God has for your life. That'll get everyone and anyone to the victory circle. Again, I say in any circumstance. It can be your education. It could be in a happy marriage. It can be raising your children. It can be keeping friends forever. It can be ministering in the church. It can be pastoring a church. It can be being a Christian in a pew. Everything, this principle applies. If you'll never lose sight of your goal, you will accomplish that goal. My father used to tell me, don't ever stop walking toward your goal because the once you stop walking toward your goal, the goal will always remain at a distance. But the more you walk, the goal gets closer. Over the years of my walk with the Lord, I have seen so many walk away from God. In this church, I've seen people walk out from God. Heartbreaking to see someone in this church for this long or that long worshiping the Lord and doing this for God or whatever it is. But all of a sudden, they lose sight. They lose focus of what their purpose is in life. And there they go run off into the wilderness of sin. If you've been serving the Lord for any amount of time, I'm sure you've seen people who were once on fire for God but no longer are. They're not even smoldering anymore. They're nothing but muddy ashes. Why is that? Oh, the devil is powerful. No, he's not. He's been defeated. You give him too much credit sometimes. Oh, well, sin is rampant. No, it's not. Righteousness is greater. Oh, you know, the Lord of the flies, that devil here. No, 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 no. He's a toothless lion. Don't you ever give him credit. If there's anything that will cause a Christian to stray from God, is his loss of focus. You may remember Peter when he saw Christ coming. Very commented story and testimony when he said, Lord, is it you? Tell me to go to you. And Jesus said, come. Peter kept walking on water while he still had his eyes on Christ. But the moment he took his eyes off of Christ, he began to sink. And I say to you on social media, those of you listening, maybe you're just passing by and just flick the channel. This word is for you. Don't ever lose your focus. Don't ever lose your focus in God. Because you'll become the victim. You will become someone who instead of flowing into the blessing and the glory of the Lord, you'll be one that will be doomed forever to a Christless eternity. And it's all the loss of focus. Let me get to it or I'll never finish this. Being clear-visioned is the most important thing. Having a clear vision of your purpose in life is the most important thing. I think that every one of us, I can say this safely at one time or the other, we've lost focus of something we wanted to do. It may have been cleaning the garage. Thank you. I'm going to give you two sermons now. <laughs> is this one dying, son? This one dying? Do you want me to change? Okay, very good. Okay, well, I, if I was, it was for this one. And for this guy's. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? 
Okay. Where was I in my yelling match? Give me just a little bit more if you can there, Osiel. I need to kind of hear myself where I'm at. I can't really hear. And I want to be clear this morning. I don't want you to miss a single word because this will save your life. My purpose this morning, as it is every morning I speak to you, is to help you find refuge in Christ. My intent, my premeditated intent is to encourage you, to warn you, to counsel you, to admonish you, to spank you if I have to, into the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to keep sight. We need to see clearly what God has called us to do. You may remember the prophet and his helper, Elijah, when he was surrounded by certain marauding armies that wanted to find him and kill him. And when he saw up from the valley he was in, his servants saw nothing but the enemy. And Elijah said, you're not looking. Your eyes are blurry. You're not seeing what you should be looking at. And Elijah prayed over this man. He said, Lord, open his eyes. Give him clear vision. Let him see what it really is. And the moment he prayed for his servant, he looked again and he saw a thousand chariots of fire. And he found out at that moment that greater is he that was in them than he that was chasing after them. Having a clear vision, ladies and gentlemen, is the most important thing for every single one of us. We must be focused. If we're going to become in the likeness of Christ and the nature of Christ and obtain and emulate the attributes of Christ and the character of Christ, we must see Christ for who He is. You'll agree with me when I say that this world has blurred out Christ. Churches itself has blurred out Christ. There are people by the thousands sitting in pews where there's a clown behind the pulpit blurring the vision of Christ. Painting an abstract picture of what he thinks Christ is. And the people are looking and they're convinced that whatever it is they're looking, that's the God they want. But yet it's not the God of the Bible. There are churches and denominations, circles and cults around the world who are making it their business to blur out uh, the clear vision of Christ. We need to be careful. We're never going to be popular, ladies and gentlemen. If you're thinking one day we're going to become a mega church, that'll never happen. There's not that many believers in this world. Well, that's just an inability for marketing. I don't need to market anything. Jesus said, if I be lifted up. That's the only business we have on this pulpit is to lift the name of Jesus up. Hallelujah. You need to know marketing. You need to know how to put banners up. You need to how, how to have clowns on your pulpit to attract the whole world. I don't need the world here. I need people who need Jesus in this house. Hallelujah. This is a house of worship. This is a house of prayer. We declare this place holy ground. When you come into this place, you only have one option. Not many options. One option. You will meet Christ or you will not. On this pulpit... Nobody has permission from me to stand up here and give you options. There are no options. This is not H-E-B. Hallelujah. This is not a deli. Give me this and that and the other. No, behind this pulpit, there is only one that is being fed to the people. And his name is Jesus, our Lord and Savior, King of glory. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. And we need to keep focus of who he is if we're going to continue upward Toward glory. Let me get to it. I'm going to finish. Don't you worry. I'm going to finish. I gave it to you in the form of an acrostic. I've got 20 minutes to do this. I gave it to you in the form of an acrostic. And the word I told you to write down in your Bible, in your hand, wherever it is that you can remember this, is the word focus itself. And for those of you who may not understand what an acrostic sermon is, basically is I've taken a letter from that word. Every letter that 
composes that word and giving you a principle behind it that you might remember the word focus and remember the principles that it teaches you. The first thing you want to do and find in the word focus is obviously F, and you want to fix your thoughts and your actions on your desired goal. Fix means to hold steady. It's to clear your eyes out and say, what do I want to do? You see, there are only two kind of people in this church and in every church in the world. There are only two kinds of people in the church, not three kinds of people. I'm not talking race, geography. I'm not talking anything. I'm talking two kinds of people, the saved and the lost, period. And ladies and gentlemen, those of you listening to the sound of my voice, you are one or the other. Simple as that. Two kinds of people. If somebody asks you what kind of people go to your church, say just two kinds. Really? Well, we're all multicultural. Oh, we are too. That's not the question. What kinds of people? Two. Well, what are they? The saved and the lost. And it's our business to do everything we can to keep the saved saved and to save the lost. We want everyone in the house of God today to be saved. Hallelujah. We want, if we hear the trumpet sound of God, hallelujah, the sound, we want this place empty. We want it empty. We don't want any soul left behind. Not our children, not you, not me, not your precious wife or your children. Nobody. We're gone. One or the other. So we need to keep focused because we will become one or the other. And we need to fix our thoughts, our actions and everything. Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Straining toward what is ahead. Pressuring toward. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. He knew exactly what he wanted. And all of us must know exactly what we want. We must be focused on the Lord. We must understand, ladies and gentlemen, that to be double-minded according to Scripture, James chapter 1, verse 7, it tells us that we will never accomplish anything. We will never get anything from God if we are a double-minded people. Nobody likes to hang around with a double-minded person. I have no friends that are double-minded. I refuse to fellowship with anyone who is double-minded. You should not hang around with anyone who's double-minded. The Bible says that of a double-minded man, he is unstable in all his ways. James chapter 1, verse 7, verse 8, For a man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being double-minded, a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And so the first principle that we spoke about just a few weeks ago is that we need to focus our eyes on that goal. Fix it. Fix your eyes. Weld them to that vision. Don't let anything distract you. This world has surrounded you and I with so many beautiful, shiny things. So many beautiful, shiny, tempting things, all with the intent and purpose to get you to do this. Making all kinds of noise, offering you all kinds of offers, young people. Convincing you that this is okay and this is not okay. You don't have to do this. So they just, everything, everything to make your head turn and lose focus of your desired goal in Christ. We need to fix our hearts. We need to fix our minds, spirit, ears, emotions, actions on that goal. The second thing is we need to observe, learn to observe those who are successful at it. You know, in the Bible, we are spoken of elders. And specifically, not only elders as men, but even ladies who are elders. They were called to teach the young ladies 
how to dress, how to handle themselves, how to speak, how to conduct themselves in the city, and how to conduct themselves in the church. We have testimonies of great women in the Lord who were instructed by elders. They were called, listen, I want you to look at me because I'm going to show you how. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. What is the greatest danger in this world today? As if we pay no attention to who it is that we're focusing on. This is where young people learn how to run crazy and wild and sinful because of their friends. Don't tell me friends aren't important. But we've been friends forever. We'll get rid of them. This is why you've never gotten serious about the Lord because the very friend that you're hanging with is teaching you how to live that way. Well, he's my buddy, man. You know, we do. I don't care. Get rid of that buddy. It's because of him that you don't go to church. It's because of him that you've forgotten how to pray. It's because of him that you don't read the Bible. It's because of him you don't come to youth groups. It's because of him. Well, we know this couple. They've been friends since high school. We'll get rid of them. It's because of them you stay home on Sunday morning. It's because of them they come pick you up and take you to the pool when you should be in church. Good time to say amen. <laughs> Don't be acting all sanctified. We all suffer from that. We all suffer from that. Me included. There's people I refuse to fellowship with. Because I know that it's easier to pull someone off a chair than it is to pull someone up a chair. It's easy... For someone to hang on to me here and pull me down than me to pull him up. You have to understand. And so what you do then is that you begin to focus and observe those who are successful. Some of you ladies who are looking to get married, look at successful marriages who love the Lord. Some of you who have children who can't handle them, learn to see and watch families and fathers and parents, how they treat their children and how they train them well. Want to learn how to read the Word of God? Learn those that are successful in reading the Word of God, those who set time to read God's Word. What I'm saying is you need to choose your partner. You need to choose your partner. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, he said, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we give you. Follow my example. I'm not afraid to say follow my example. It's a dangerous thing to say for someone else, maybe. There are people all over the world who are absolutely out of the will of God because they're following the example of the pastor or some leader in the church. Completely out of the will of God because they're following the pattern of a particular religious movement. Out. Learn to look to people that love God. Learn to look and learn from people who, learn how, who know how to pray. Those who are faithful, the ones that you'll call and say, hey man, Sunday morning, you want to go out? No man, I go to church. And instead of getting disappointed and say, well, you know what, I'll meet you there. And you'll learn. That's how children learn. I tell my uh, young parents who bring their babies uh, up here to get dedicated, I say, they're soft as clay right now. You, they're malleable. You can squeeze them and, and do all these things to them and you'll form them and they're going to be just like you. And sometimes that's a terrible thing to say. Yes. How many like the truth? I'm not talking to babies. I know that. You've been here a long time. You know me. But that's the truth. That baby's going to be just like you. And if you're worthless, if you're not a churchgoer, if you're not a Bible reader, 
If you're not a good example as a Christian, poor baby, not a chance for him to go to heaven. Not a chance for him to ever know and have a close relationship with God. Well, we love him. It's not good enough. If you love him, train him in the way that he should go so that when he grows up, he will not depart from the ways of the Lord. Learn. Learn to look at the positive people. I hang around with churchgoers. Do you want to know a secret? Sometimes I don't even feel like coming myself. It's hard. Been coming to church straight 40 years, man. Some of you can't come 40 minutes. Straight. My family, my kids, they don't know weekends. Every Sunday we go to church. Every Wednesday. 40 years. Some of you can't come to church 40 days. You come one day and come back six months later and say, wow, pastor, it's good to see you. What is your name again? But that's because you begin to look at people and other things that don't motivate you to do Christ-like things. Focus on those who are successful. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 20, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. I dare say that there are people who still won't come to church because of this COVID thing. You know why? Because they have friends that are still afraid of this COVID thing. Now, I, I get it. I don't want to be insensitive. That's fine. I get it. Maybe you have asthma or you're afraid of something. That's okay. I, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. But some people are just taking advantage of that. You know what COVID was for? It was to test the church. And look at where we're at now. We were a packed church before. Where are the rest? Some might still be under the bed wearing three masks. And that's all the fear that the enemy came to put in your heart. We still need to be careful. I get it. Still wash your hands. Still be careful. I tell you sometime when you come with a sniffle, stay home. We'll be here next Sunday. That's okay. No problem. But there are those who have taken advantage just to say, I'm going to dislodge from my responsibility to the church. Anyway, I'll just tell them that uh, I had COVID. Some of you have had COVID 50 times. I'm having a great time. I don't know about you. Go home if you want. Number three, consider the outcome of the unfocused. Look at the successful and also consider the outcome of the unfocused. Look what happens to people that walk out from God. Not one of them is successful. Not one. When, a young when young couples leave the church and they start living their own life, guaranteed there'll be a statistic. Guaranteed. Because the devil, that's how he works. Remember, you need to understand the MO of the devil, the method of operation. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, that the devil only comes to what? Come on, some of you know it. Okay, say it again so that someone can learn it. Steal, kill, and destroy. So that means that the only thing that motivates the, the enemy, and I should call him an animal, is to destroy you. Is to pull you out of the will of God, to put a wedge between you and your wife, cause your children to run crazy because they have no training in the church. And destroy your family. That's the only thing. There are no good statistics for those who live out of the will of God. Look at the world around you. Really. You want to arm wrestle about this? 
Show me someone who's living a wayward life, and I'll show you someone who in their house is bitter. And they've learned to put so much makeup on to hide the trails of their tears. They've learned to build so much muscle and learn how to dress so well just to make it a facade to cover the ugliness that living in sin brings. Consider the unsuccessful. We pray for them. Yes, we do. I'm not telling you to cast them away and never whatever. I'm saying consider what happens for yourself. Consider what happens to those who live wayward lives. What happens to their children? You're going to have children one day. You're going to have grandchildren one day. And the streets are full of them. But it's all because they lost focus and they did not consider the result of those who embraced a life away from God. Ephesians 5 and 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, listen to this. Put Ephesians 5, 6 up there, guys. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Keep going. Therefore, do not be what? I didn't say it. I just said it to you a little while ago. Get rid of them. Why, Pastor? Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Get away from the influence. You're never going to make it. You'll never be positive. You'll never grow and mature in the Lord until you get rid of the false and ugly influences in your life. You want to flunk school? Hang around with flunkies. You want to drop out? Hang out with dropouts. You want to hang around with womanizers? Make your friends womanizers. You want to be a liar, a cheater? Hang around with liars and cheaters. Oh, I just go to a club, but I don't drink. But you still come out with the stench of sin. Don't be partners. You read it. I didn't say it. Lord, it's on you. They get angry. It's you. Don't kill the messenger. Philippians 3 and 19. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior. From there, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's drawing a line. It's drawing a line saying, listen, guys, I want you to succeed. But in order for you to succeed, you've got to get away because... The devil has nothing in comparison with Christ. Darkness with light. Nothing. Baal with Christ. Nothing. He goes on to give us a warning saying, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I'm almost done. Utilize God's power to get there. What does this principle teach us? That you can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. Philippians 3 and 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him, by the power that enables him to bring everything under control, will transform our lowly lives so that they will be like his glorious body. What is this passage telling us, every single one of us? That when people say, well, don't worry, I'm going to change. No, you're not. Oh, this is just for now. It's a season. It's a phase that my son is going through. He'll change. No, he's not. I told you last time, sin will not loosen the grip 
of his victims. The only reason you're saved today is by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only reason you're here, sitting here, maybe you're cracking your knuckles as I preach to you this morning. But you're here because of the power of the Holy Spirit. You're here because he wooed you in. The Bible says that no one will come unto the Father unless the Spirit woos him. Unless the Lord brings him, calls him, say, come here, come here. Otherwise, none of us would be saved today. And so we need to learn. If we're going to get to that goal, if we're going to keep our focus and maintain our focus, we're going to have to learn to depend on God. Now, please understand this passage I just read is not telling us to look for the return of Christ passively and just wait and let God do everything. No, no, no. Remember, Paul said, I press toward the goal. But there's only so much pressing we can do before our weary bodies give in. Why the Bible says that when we are weak, we are made strong in him. When the flesh begins to die is when the spirit begins to wake. When we stop doing things for ourselves is when God begins to take over. Sometimes God wants to do something in your life, but he cannot because you've got a grip on whatever it is you want him to work on. Father, fix it. Well, let it go. No, no, no. I, I, I need to keep it safe just in case you fail. Let me hold this thing. I'll fix it. No, let it go. No, no, no. Uh, uh, can you just, look, there's space for you to work right there. Can you just fix this? The Lord said, no. Why can't you fix it? Let it go because you're the one that put it in that position. Fix my marriage. Well, you're the one that took it there. Can you bring my children back? And you're doing everything. I... Now you're crying. Now you're moaning. Let me work. Learn to surrender to the power of the Lord. Learn to pray for your family. Learn to pray for your children. Learn to pray for your wife. Learn to pray for your husband. Learn to pray for the church. Learn to pray for your friends, your brothers, sisters, parents, family members. Learn to pray because when you pray, you loosen the power of God over their lives to work. You praying will change a lot more than you trying to spank the sin out of a son. I'm not saying that you excuse correction. It's your responsibility to correct. But what I am saying that there comes only to a certain point that you can correct physically. There's going to be a time when you have to drop to your knees and surrender the boy unto the Lord. Surrender the circumstance unto God because it's the power that enables him that will enable us. The power of the Spirit of the Lord is the one that's going to get us through and nothing and no one else. Hallelujah. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 11. Let me move a little quicker. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of His calling that by His power He may fulfill every good purpose of yours and act prompted by your faith. Do you want to be like Christ? Do you want to be winners do you want to receive the victorious crown in the Lord? Then you must learn to surrender unto God those things in your life completely. We can do nothing to change ourselves. If you knew me before I was saved, you'd understand exactly what I'm saying. Nothing was ever going to change me. I've never taken time to sit here and give you my testimony before I was saved. But there's a woman who knows my life. And nothing, not you, not my mother, not my friends, not trouble, not threats, not this was going to change who I was. There came one that was greater than I. 
And even though I thought that I could handle, as he jumped on my shoulders, that I could handle him and he wouldn't bring me to my knees. I'm telling you that the knees of the strongest men will melt like wax in the presence of the almighty God. Let us learn to depend on the Lord. Let us learn to trust that every change we need to make, we surrender to him. If you're going through something in your life, learn to give it to him. You're not going to change it. Well, pastor, I keep having this trouble. Have you given it to God? Well, I mean, I, I told him about it. I prayed about it. No, 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 no. It's not going to help you at all to tell the Lord you're going through something and then you pick it up and take it home with you. You need to learn to leave it. Lord, I'm going to give you this. And the outcome of this, I'm going to make your responsibility. You do it because I cannot change a thing about my circumstance. I've tried. I've broken my wrists and my fingers trying to manipulate this thing in my life. I've tried to fix this. I've tried to fix that in my life. I've tried to work on my heart to change it, and I can't. I've broken my nails trying to fix it, and I can't, God. And then the Lord says, give it to me. That's my specialty. My favorite work, the Lord will tell you, is in the place of your nothingness. When you get out of my way, I will do everything I need to do. Because at the end of the day, there's only one getting the glory. We are not competent in ourselves, Paul said. But we are made competent through him. And lastly this morning, stand firm which is the last letter of focus, as stand firm in your commitment as you get there. Philippians 4.1 says, Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love as long and long for you, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Stand firm in the Lord. I mentioned to you as I began this morning, that many people don't like goal setting because it's demanding and challenging. Many people start their pursuit over something, then turn back because of their unwillingness or inability to continue the labor and the endeavors needed. But anyone who has ever finished and accomplished will tell you that they're glad they never turned back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a boastful statement, but I've never turned back. Never. I've never. Have I had trouble? Yeah. Have I scraped my knees here and there? Have I rubbed my shoulders and stuff that hurt me? Stuff that sometimes completely disillusioned me? Absolutely, yes. Just like you. Have I cried over situations in my life that have hurt me that sometimes make me wonder why, 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 why? Yes. I have, just like you. But the difference between some of you and another person is that other person, in spite of, he never turns back or stops continuing forward in the initial thrust to arrive at his goal. I've been here close to 30 years with you. You think I've never wanted to not be pastor anymore? Our pastor must have it made. Hmm. Well, pastor, he's a celebrity here, man. I went, oh, pastor. No, no, no. I have trouble at home. I have trouble financially. I have trouble in my body. I have trouble socially. I have a lot of trouble just like you. But you've never seen me not come up here and be pastor one day in the past 30 years. Has anybody seen you stop being a Christian? Has anybody had to tell you, hey, man, we haven't seen you in church in a long time? Oh, man, oh, yeah, you know, man. Uh, that's never been me. Hey, aren't you going to church, Pastor? No, nah, I'm not going to be pastor today, man. <laughs> nah, I'm done. I've been there a long time. And just things aren't going my way right now. And, ah. Uh, 
I'm not going to preach. I'm going to do nothing. Let him, let him. Never, ever. I am committed to the work that Christ has done for me in my life. I have a goal. And my goal is to get to heaven. My goal is to finish the race. I've been through stuff physically that you have seen me. And yet you've seen me crawl up here. Not as a boast. Now, I'm not speaking in arrogance to you. I'm not, I wasn't acting like some kind of superman. I was coming up here because this is the place where I find healing so many times. Because this is my place. I walked from my guitar sick as ever playing guitar with these guys and coming up here and going like, Lord, give me the strength to do this. And as I walk up here, I feel the ambience change. Oh, there's healing in the house. And I'll tell somebody I was really sick today. Really, Pastor? You never looked sick a day of your life on that pulpit. That's because he is my strength. And I'll never stop doing what he called me to do until he calls me home. And you should never stop living for Christ. Not a single day. Don't ever confuse anybody around you to make them ask you, aren't you going to church anymore? What they're really asking is, aren't you going on your, aren't you marching towards heaven anymore? Aren't you giving him all the glory? Remember you were on fire, you were inviting me to go to church, but now today you don't feel like it. You've been barbecuing every Sunday morning. You've been going out. You completely disregard. You've been criticizing the church. Is that who you are now? You've walked away. You've turned around. Remember that time of need? You came to the altar. You, you really wanted pastor to pray for you, and the church prayed for you. You got what you needed, but all of a sudden you walked Commitment, ladies and gentlemen. We need to be committed. This may not be a very popular sermon for you. I understand that. That's okay. No apology from this pulpit because this will change your life if you listen to God's word. We must show fluidity, continuance, tenacity. All of us feel like walking away every now and then. All of us feel like it's not worth it. A certain moment of our lives because of a tragedy. Every single one of us have cried in the middle of the night. Lord, if I've loved you for this long, why this? I'm not going back. And you turn around. Well, I've been going to church for 15 years. You're not in heaven yet. I used to be supportive in the church. Not anymore. I got disappointed. Really? Hmm. I'm glad there's some of us in this house who have been faithful since the beginning. And unless I was faithful since I met you, I could never say what I'm saying today. I have never turned back. I could only tell you like Paul did, follow me as I follow Christ. At least in that, I've never walked back. I've never stopped being whom God called me to be. All of this, I close in saying, you need to have clear vision. All of this, I close as I say, you need to stay focused in what your pursuit is. And our pursuit for every one of us in this house today, according to Scripture, is that we be more like Him. And that we desire heaven with Him one day. Is that your desire this morning? Then clear your eyes.
to duty. Don't go AWOL on God ever. You've been serving the Lord for a year. Wonderful. It's, you're going to feel a lot better when you're serving him for 50. We have elders in this house that have been serving the Lord for years. And I look at them and I say, wow. Father, I want to be like that. I want to serve the Lord till I'm old. I want to be like King David. He said, I, I was young. <laughs> and now I'm old. I was a kid. I was 33 years old when I started ministry. I was a kid. And now I'm old. I used to walk up here and strut like a young man when I was preaching to you. Now I have to look twice when I'm going to go down the stairs. I was young. And now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or his children begging for bread. He is my God. He is my God. He was my God when I met him. And he will be my God when I see him face to face. Whatever happens in the middle of here and there, I'm going to keep looking to him. And even though I'll get something in my eye every now and then, and it blurs my vision. Always rub my eyes with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, hear me. Stop me from looking at this. Stop me from being confused in vision. And let me see you clearly again. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.